The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. So I'll start with um, just a brief review of um, last week's class because a lot of you weren't here. And then um, I'll ask some follow-up questions for people who were here. And even if you weren't here, you'll probably have some responses as well just to give you a sense of um, how we'll start. And then Diana will introduce the hindrance of the week, which is... Um, <laughs> it sounds like, you know, the flavor of the week. That's right, it it's like the hindrance nice. of the week, <laughs> um, which is doubt. And, um, and then we will um, do a guided Bella meditation practice, um, working with um, whatever degree of doubt we can connect with. And, and then we will kind of uh, have a moment of question and answer or reflections about the that or anything else that's come up. And then we'll do some small group, like three people group, um, explorations of doubt. And then we'll come back to a larger group kind of conversation. Um, and then we'll do a brief summary. Diana will do a brief summary for us. And, and then we'll do a brief closing. So that's the plan for tonight. And... Um, the way Diana and I kind of designed this course is to provide a lot of opportunity for you to explore, to explore and define for yourself and discuss with each other and in the group um, your experiences of the hindrances along the way. And um, uh, so our contributions, our structured contributions, we will be trying to keep relatively brief to create a lot of room for just a dialogue and exploration. It's amazing how well this works. We're all, these hindrances are such a uh, kind of common part of our lives that it turns out we're, we're all pretty good experts on them. <laughs> so these things are, um, the hindrances are things that come up in our daily life and then they show up on our cushion when we're meditating. And the, the five hindrances are typically listed in um, the following order. So usually we'll talk about um, desire first, so that's sensual desire, sensual pleasure. Um, Second hindrance is aversion or ill will. Um, And those two are kind of often seen as opposites, meaning one is the wanting, the wanting to acquire and pull in, while the other is the not wanting and the pushing away. Right, so the energy of them is sort of um, opposite energies, and then the the um, second hindrance is a pair of um, sloth and torpor, and meaning um, sloth being like in physical um, the physical manifestations like a sloth, right? Oh, tired, low energy in the body, and the torpor, the sleepiness in the mind, the lack of clarity. Um, then the next set of hindrance, or the, the fourth hindrance, is restlessness and worry. And so, like sloth and torpor, those are kind of energies embodied in the body and mind. Restlessness and worry represent the energy of restlessness, anxiety, or worry in the body. So we're not able to settle. And uh, worry the mind that just kind of keeps going from thing to thing, or around and around, worrying and... Uh, um, unable to settle. 
And then the fifth hindrance is a standalone hindrance. That's the doubt hindrance. It makes us kind of stop in our tracks. So those are the five, which there's, you know, um, five hindrances. So in this last week, whether you were here last week or not, you might be able to think about um, opportunities that occurred in your daily life um, in which you saw any of these hindrances come up. You know, did you experience or notice any of these, these kinds of um, energetic mental states arise? Anybody have any experience meeting with desire, aversion, sloth and torpor, restlessness and worry or doubt this week? <laughs> and then, would you mind just... No, not at all. <laughs> not at all, right? Yeah, would you mind... I don't know if anybody's hand is up. We're all kind of chuckling, though. Like, did anybody have this? My name is Ek. I was on a retreat last week uh, and sloth and torpor was kind of coming so often. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. This is very common, especially on retreat, I think, yes. Thank you for sharing. How do you think that affected you um, in your practice or the sloth and torpor? Physically, posture-wise, or mentally? Physically. Either way, any way at all. Yeah. Physically, I was, I was able to say, "Oh, this is sloth and torpor." When my body was slowly, slowly coming down. (laughs) You slowly coming down. Yes, Mm. the leaning tower effect. (laughs) Yeah, like this. Yes. And in mentally, uh, like sleep, sleepiness, and. Mm-hmm. So these two things. Yeah, thank you. Yes. Maybe just hand the microphone, just let it move, and you can speak or not. And just. I don't know if it was this past week, but there was um, a couple of days where I was not sleeping well, and I think some kind of... So when I couldn't sleep, I was just surfing, <laughs> surfing for, like, um, earrings. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I, I didn't end up buying anything. I was like, oh, this is pretty. Oh, look at that. That's pretty. And then, oh, that's pretty too. And then I think, so that was the craving, the sense desire part. But I think underneath that, there was some sort of like restlessness, some kind of yeah. nervousness that I wasn't completely aware of, but sort of aware of. So those two were related, related somehow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I see that in my own practice too, where there might be, there's this discomfort and boy, wow, sense pleasure is just such an easy go-to, you know, and then we get caught in in that energy of desire. Yeah, thank you. (laughs) So one day, actually, I um, made up my mind and just decided to... um, Make notes of all the all the hindrances I found, oh. and then there was so many. <laughs> so, yes. 
And then, so the, the one interesting thing is that I was having this earbuck, earworm, you say? So this song playing in my head all the time. It changes sometimes. Uh-huh. Right? Like several songs take turns and just playing in my head. And then I realized that it was playing because I wanted to comfort myself. Yes. And so there was, a, I think, a desire to mm. be, uh, to feel comfortable or yeah. to be um, at ease or something. Beautiful. Uh, and, and then, yeah, I made a lot of notes here and then... Um, yeah, and then the, I was I was upset with some some people, and then I realized okay. So underneath it, I had a strong desire that certain things to be my way, and then mm. so and then um, I didn't I didn't think that that was hindrances, especially before. But I realized that that was actually. Uh, big obstacle to do. Actually, it's not just um, meditating or practicing this, but doing anything, actually. I realized that I had a lot of interruptions, like every, maybe every two minutes. Mm-hmm. So some old, so some old annoyances that I experienced before, it just come, it just come, keep coming back, everything. And, and then I, Usually, I don't really make notes of them, but um, I just I just treat them as like something that I have to just I have to uh, remove. And I think from last class, what I got was that oh, actually I need to study this. Beautiful. Oh, that makes me so happy to so, hear that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So, but that, that earbuck thing was very funny, actually, after realizing it. So, yeah. Great. Thank you. So, we, do, you, do you want to say something? Oh, you can go. I'll share this line after you, or? No, go go ahead. Okay. But, yeah, and then and then we'll I'll just do a little summary and then we'll transition. Yeah. Okay. Um, what came to mind for me was I'm in the middle of a move, um, kind of more or less alone because I'm moving into an apartment and then um, starting a new job on Monday and mm. just a lot of like changes. <laughs> um, and I find that I've been observing myself in these kinds of like heightened states um, where I oscillate between a lot of restlessness and worry and then Uh getting the job done because there's a lot to do with um, which then creates a lot of fatigue and then that creates for me like an aversion towards wanting to be around people and it's kind of ironic to me because I'm very social but I tend to like give out a lot of energy so then I'm really good at being alone so I'd rather just be alone (laughs) And so I've noticed a lot of aversion uh, when it comes to friends mostly and protecting my energy and time. And, um, yeah, I just find that that's trying to understand also the, the sense pleasure of why I tend... I'm, I'm a very... 
I'm very into health, and I've been into health my whole life, but I always find it's very interesting in these moments. Um, and I'm trying to think of if I'm creating that energy unnecessarily to kind of step into quick, easy comforts that I normally wouldn't step into mm. in, a very mo- in the very moment that I really shouldn't be stepping into those because mm. there is a lot going on outside of my control. So why would I not be feeding myself with a lot of like great foods and exercise, which I know I do well on. So I find that super interesting how I go less in that direction than more. Um, so I'm really trying to not judge at all, but just kind of like be aware of it because they're obviously patterns <laughs> that I've kept up with. That's great. So, um, that was fabulous. Thank you all for sharing what you shared and, I think we could just keep hearing how much these things are common in our lives, that they just come up. And so really, I think our hope is to really work on our relationship to these experiences um, and to talk more and more about how to relate to them wisely and not not get into power struggles with them and, um, um, and to, to take them as learning opportunities. So how are we going to do this without Diana? <laughs> Maybe I'll say one other thing about the hindrances is that right, we talk about them here or in the context of meditation, but right, it's we show up in daily life and they are hindering us from being the best versions of ourselves. They're hindering us from seeing clearly what's actually happening. So we'll be talking about you know hindrance in terms of meditation practice, but of course that doesn't have to be in that context. It could just as well be in daily life. So Tanya and I decided to go backwards with this the order of the hindrances to start with doubt for a few reasons. One is doubt is often the most difficult to see and the most powerful. So very often it's, um, and part of the reason why it's powerful is because it looks like wisdom or feels like wisdom or we think it's wisdom. So doubt is this sense of uncertainty or wavering or indecision. It's not, that's doubt as a hindrance. Regular doubt is just an, an aspect of inquiry or investigation. Like, what is this? I'm not sure. I don't know. This is healthy. This is what we want to cultivate, this sense of inquiry and investigation. It only becomes a problem, only becomes a hindrance when we kind of just find ourselves spinning our wheels. And instead of, um, and instead of trying to, it, when we are unsure or uncertain, instead of investigating, putting a little bit of effort towards finding out, asking somebody, reading a book, going to a Dharma talk, meditating, investigating, Whatever it might be, instead of that, if we find ourselves just going round and round in our minds with this um, this expression like this plagued by doubt, right? Is this idea of um, not being able to go forward, not being able to like make a decision. And so in this way, doubt can like stole us and... If we make a decision, either it'll help lead us to greater freedom and ease, peace, well-being, openness, spaciousness, or it won't. 
If it does, then we learn something, okay? This is the direction to go. If it doesn't, we learn something. This isn't the direction to go. So doubt is a way in which we get stuck and we're not doing either of these. Going, we're not going forward in any way. But it's often disguised as wisdom that it's like this wise-sounding voice that we may have in our hands, in our minds that are question the teachings, question the teachers, and questions our own ability to do the practice. So it's perfectly natural to have questions about these teachings. How do we know this is what the... If we are following these in the Buddhist context, how do we know this is what the Buddha said? And how do we know that this is, you know, we're translating it correctly, or I don't know, there's an infinite number of questions we can have this. How do we know it's relevant to us here in California in 2019? But instead of asking those questions, the questions we can ask is, is this useful? what I'm doing? Is it leading to more spaciousness, ease, freedom, well-being, kindness, all these good qualities we want to have in our lives? That's the question to ask. And sometimes we find ourselves filled with doubt because we may have this some um, confusion ourselves about what is the way to greater freedom or what is the way to greater ease? So much we've been socialized to think, well, okay, just as long as you accumulate enough stuff, or if you accumulate enough sense pleasures, then you'll have a good life. We may have these beliefs that are unexamined and may be um, influencing our behavior, and then it gets confusing because I'm doing what I thought I should do, but I don't have any more happiness. I don't have any more ease or peace. So one way that um, doubt can um, gets the causes of doubt is if we have some of these beliefs that aren't really examined and we're following them and they're not having the outcome that we think that they should. So one way to work with doubt, the best way to work with doubt, the most effective way to work with doubt is to investigate. What's going on? What's going on with me? What's my experience? What beliefs do I have that are underneath this? What are these teachings? If you feel some confusion about them, ask, read a book, talk to somebody. So often we it's common to say like the opposite of doubt is faith. But the faith that we're talking about is the faith that comes from Um, having some uh, investigation underneath it. It's more like confidence. It's more like, oh yeah, I have faith because I know this other thing is true and I don't have any reason to believe this isn't true yet. So I'm going to base it on this, my experience, what I do know already. You won't hear us talking about, oh, just believe. The only thing we're going to ask you to believe is that there's some value in investigating. There's some value, and takes maybe a little bit of effort to kind of roll up your sleeves and, and to see, well, well what's, what's happening here? What's going on? What's really here? 
And often investigation can be just being mindful, just being really present. Because that's the second thing that often leads to doubt is to be this not really present, not really paying attention, not really being mindful, kind of being mindful, not really sinking into the felt experience of the present moment, just kind of doing it. And then you're less likely to have the benefits, you're less likely to see the effects of it, and then that kind of leads to doubt. So the two ways, kind of in, the, in a broad way to think about um, um, doubt, is to inquire what's going on. One way to inquire is to just be present just to be mindful. And then uh, Tanya is going to lead us through a guided meditation that brings some other tools into, like how to work not only with doubt, but with um, all the hindrances. And again, just to say that doubt often manifests itself as kind of a sense of indecision, uncertain about what to do, feeling kind of stuck, or feeling kind of like dismissive of, oh, this doesn't matter. So our invitation is to just see, see what, what's, what it, what, what's happening, what's going on before being dismissive and walking away from the practice. I have a little simile. Is it okay for me yeah, to yeah. share it? Yeah. So um, there's doubt in, the pra- doubt in the teachings, doubt in the teacher, and doubt in yourself, right? So um, the simile for me has to do with chopping wood. Okay? So if you have a big log and you have an axe and you have a a teacher that comes and says, okay, this is how you chop wood and they take the axe and they split the wood or they tell you there's instructions, maybe. We've got written instructions from the Buddha about how to chop chop a, a log. So, you know, that's one thing. So do we believe it or not? Right? Is that instruction right? The tool is, the axe is sort of like the practice, right? Meditating. Now, if you've ever tried to chop wood, unless you're skilled, wood does not chop in half the first time the axe hits. It's very easy to hit the wood many times and have the axe bounce off, see no real dent no real effect. And so you might think, this is rubbish, and give up on the tool, using the tool, thinking that there's got to be a better tool than an axe to chop the wood before you've adequately spent enough time chopping, hitting the wood to make it crack. So the doubt can manifest in the, ins- the t- instructions. It can manifest in the tool that we're trying to use, the instructions and the teacher, the tool. And it also could be that we doubt ourselves, our ability to keep chopping, our ability to actually hit the wood in the way that will cause the wood to split. And so we give up because we don't think that we're able but we often give up far too soon. Far too soon. So 
sort of that's just a, a way to sort of help you think about the different ways that doubt manifests and how we can kind of undermine our own practice um, by and quitting too soon. All right. You ready for a guided meditation? Yeah? Beautiful. So this is a meditation using the Bella practice. Bella stands for B. B as in be present. E for E in the Bella is examine how it arose. L, the first L, there's two, is lesson, how it's removed. The second L is letting go, preventing the future arising. And the, the A in Bella is appreciate, appreciate the absence or the lessening of the hindrance. So we'll start by just sort of doing, you know, basic breathing meditation. I'll do a little, you know, guided here. And then I'm going to actually guide you through kind of connecting with a hindrance and then practicing with Bella. Now, if the hindrance of doubt doesn't arise for you, don't worry, it will at some point. Not a problem. Don't doubt. doubt. (laughs) And, you know, you can practice, you can actually, you know, practice just listening or keep breathing or if another hindrance comes to mind, the cues I'll be make, making will be more related specifically to doubt, but you can play with it and see what, what happens with whatever hindrance is present for you. You cannot do this wrong. So, my hope is you'll be, you'll enjoy your wood chopping. So, let's take a few minutes, starting with feeling our bodies here. And maybe, if I can, invite you, you do not have to accept this invitation, but actually to open your eyes right now and to to really look where you are. Orient yourself to this day, this location, this room, the lighting, the people around you. Just take just a second to really let your body, your nervous system, register where you are. And then when it feels like you'll, your body feels ready, you, you, you may notice your eyes are ready to start to close and just bring your awareness into your feet, into the chair. And feel the support of the sangha and the chair and the soft carpet. the relative quiet, the warm enough, hopefully, temperature, all these supports for our practice, sensing them here in your beautiful, amazing, unique body, living, breathing here. And you may start to notice fuller, deeper breaths, and if not arising, maybe inviting them. Just a few of them, consciously longer, fuller, deeper. (sighs) Arriving here.
just noticing the effects of a deep breath. And then checking in with the body and seeing if it needs to change posture, adjust in any way. Maybe noticing if your shoulders are hunched forward, you know, you might want to just sort of lift them up and roll them back. Just helping yourself take this posture in a comfortable, relaxed, but here kind of way, really here. Feeling the body, feeling the breath in the body. Now, I just want to sort of invite you to actually call to mind a moment of feeling uncertain about your practice or a moment of having a hard time deciding how to practice, what practice should I do, where should I practice. or doubting, a moment of doubting the value of the practice, something, something along this line that feels not too overwhelmingly huge. It might be something that you could work with fairly easily and being with doubt. And sometimes it's easiest to just go with whatever first arises as long as it doesn't feel too difficult or triggering for you. Not to get caught in doubting the right example to work with.
any doubt is good doubt for this practice. So I'm going to speak as if you have connected with doubt. It just makes it easier for the guided practice. But please know that there's complete permission in here for there not to be doubt present in your mind. In the Bella practice, we first start by just being with, being in the presence and knowing we're in the presence of doubt. And this is done by recognizing and acknowledging. And this is important. It's a very important thing. It's sort of, you know, how when you meet somebody, you're introduced to somebody, or you go to ask for help, and sometimes you really feel like you've been met, you've been seen and acknowledged. Even if they can't help you right then, you get this feeling that they really got that you were here. But other times it feels like they're so distracted, it hardly feels like they acknowledged you and it just feels like they could forget you in a second. So in the same way that the person who greets you and lets you know that you're felt, you're seen, can you acknowledge and recognize the presence of doubt in that way? Being with doubt. And once we've really taken in and been with and acknowledged this presence of doubt, it can be really helpful to examine sort of how it arose. How did doubt come? How did it arise? The way that we do that actually is not through kind of a direct thinking inquiry so much as Maybe just noticing the physical sensations that accompany and the tension and the pressure that accompanies doubting thoughts. Starting with this, the experience of it in the body noticing how it's affecting the body allows us and helps us to move into observing the thoughts related. Just noticing, you know, by using feedback from the body as well, what is it you're doubting? Are you doubting the practice? teachers, or perhaps your own capacity. What kind of doubt is this? Hmm. Being curious about this. 
doubting the teacher. Hmm. What does that feel like? I'm doubting the practice. Ah. Hmm. Oh, I'm doubting myself. Oh. What does that feel like? Wanting to understand. Once we kind of know which doubt is present, that's a moment of clarity. And we can relax into that clarity. We can create space around the doubt. It can be really important to remember that, you know, we don't have to know, we don't have to know all the answers. If we want to climb the mountain, we don't climb it in one leap. We do it one step at a time. So it's just this step, this moment, this turn with the axe. And this is how we lessen the doubt, by recognizing it, understanding more about it. The next L is about sort of letting go. And that's sort of the idea of letting go of some of the the buy-in to the doubt. So we might reflect on a teaching. We might reflect on something that has really supported us in the practice. Something, some moment of practice that inspired a sense of confidence in ourselves, in our teacher, the teaching. Or maybe, you know, just reconnecting with something about the practice that inspires you, like the people that you meet in the Sangha, the teachers and the way they share the Dharma, the way your own heart may have softened with this practice. And maybe if you or doubting yourself, you think about in what ways do you have confidence in yourself in this, in this practice? Small ways, even any way that you do feel a sense of knowing and confidence. And then the last part of Bella is 
know, appreciating any lessening or letting go that has occurred. Just checking in now and noticing if, if doubt arose for you and you were able to work with it in any way through this Bella practice, is there any lessening? If so, just appreciating. Or if there's even the same amount of doubt, but there's more clarity, more room with it, more ability to question, to appreciate this too. So taking another moment or two to check in, Notice the impact of your meditation practice here. Maybe take three long, deep breaths. Thank you, Tanya. So in that meditation, Tanya started by asking us to orient to the room and then to feel our bodies with some deep breaths and then to connect with some doubt to bring to mind. Of course, when we're doing this in our meditation practice, you don't have to forcefully or intentionally bring doubt to mind. You may just discover while you're meditating or in daily life there's a lot of doubt. Then she guided us through this Bella practice, B-E-L-L-A. Be present, examine, lesson, let go, and appreciate. So now we'd like to open it up for some questions or comments. How was that? Did you... Was that experience? Yes, I (coughs) did see the doubt and um, the Bella helped it um, settle a little bit. Um, And the way I always see the doubt is not in the teaching and not in anything other than myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and it gets reinforced every time, every day. I sit every day and every day I'm disappointed. I, um, and um, I guess seeing that um, helped kind of let it go and then be able to go back go back to um, focusing on my breath and Mm. staying with it instead of getting 
worked up about how I knew I can't do it. I knew that. I couldn't do it yesterday and I couldn't do it today, so it's proof now. <laughs> um, That's, that, that word proof is so appropriate for doubt because like Diana used the word, it often appears as wisdom. Yeah. Like we often, the proof, right? Who, who, proof who and says truth. Proof? I mean, who I feel proof? like I know the truth yeah. now because I've, That's right. I've seen it many yes. times. Yes, yeah. So, wow. Convincing, right? It sounds like you were able to get some room. Yeah, this is quite something with practice that we have thoughts that arise and then pass away. But sometimes thoughts arise and we grab onto them, oh, this is true, and we're ignoring all kinds of other things that may counteract it, but we're holding on to this one, it's true. There may be lots of reasons why we're holding on, but the fact is is that we're not seeing or understanding that it's just a thought that's arising and will pass away. So this takes a little bit of practice to be able to just notice like, oh yeah, this is just another thought. Like it, other thoughts I had earlier. I had, earlier I was thinking about what I was going to have for lunch and now I'm thinking about how I knew I couldn't do this. They're just thoughts. But I mean, uh, it's stronger because it's repeated. Mm-hmm. And there's proof, so... <laughs> Yeah, so what, what we often do, what we often think, tends to get repeated. This is, this is the beauty of meditation practice. How we can learn something new is by repeating to do it. But it works the other way, too. If we have a habit of self-criticism, it becomes easier and easier to be self-critical, and then it becomes self-fulfilling. So it is a little bit of effort to not buy into some of these thoughts. One of the easiest ways is to feel the sensation in the body. So as much as you can, take away the focus from the thinking mm-hmm. and instead like, oh, when I'm having these self-critical thoughts, I can feel my body does a little bit of collapsing, like, oh, I knew I couldn't do it, or I don't know what it is for you, but maybe that's one way is to focus on the body, to take away some of the authority that we're giving thoughts. Mm-hmm. You know, another way to think about it is that, you know, it feels so, you're so sure you have all this evidence, right? But, you know, we get really good at seeing certain things. You know, we, we, some of us are really good at noticing certain kinds of details or certain colors or certain patterns. Nobody else sees them, but we see them, right? Because our mind gets tuned into those things. And my guess is your mind has gotten really good at tuning into whatever evidence you think you have that proves you're not a good meditator, right? And that you're missing a lot of other things because you're so give so much priority to that because it's so compelling, right? And you've practiced it so many times. Very true, because I do see once in a while how it's changed my life and how it's softened me yes. and how it's helped me yes uh, beautiful in my life can not, you say not, that again not okay. doing the 45 minutes a day but the rest of the day it's it helped has me. changed you yeah. right you said it has changed me I see how it has softened me and that don't miss that 
Wow. <laughs> wow. That's beautiful. I thought um, it was very interesting how the Bella practice unfolded because um, I had this, like you said, moment of clarity where I realized that I was doubting myself, not just particularly in meditation, but in life in general. And um, I feel like I have faith in the teacher and the teachings, you know, but just to notice that. And then, um, like, to lessen it, I kind of brought to mind, like, kind of like positive affirmations I've received mm-hmm. and, um, you know, meeting nice people and um, recognizing, like, the progress that I've made. Um, so that kind of, like, shifted it. Um, so then it was kind of like a reassurance, like... Okay, this is this is good, you know. So that was nice. Nice. Thank you for sharing that. Anybody else want to share any? Is it hard? Not. Don't like Bella. <laughs> Boo for Bella. <laughs> Boo for Bella. <laughs> yeah, great. Right behind you. <laughs> so what came up for me probably mostly was that. I know I've been doubting sort of my practice, and but I've only been ignoring it a little bit, like pretending I don't and just persevering uh-huh. um, instead of like investigating it and finding out exactly what I'm doubting. Um, so instead of it being like this nebulous badness, it can be more concrete. Uh, so I think that was helpful. And it's interesting, like so when I started meditating, I did it with an app that told me to sit and breathe for, t- for 20 minutes, and that was nice, and that was it. And now that I've gotten more into it, I've gotten better and understanding more. There's so much more knowledge, and that's very much a good thing, but also a source of doubt, because there, now there's all these words that I know what means that I'm not doing, and, and so on. Yeah. Thank you. Are you ready to do some small group discussions? If so, please break up into groups of three. And, um, you know, this is all completely voluntary. Don't feel forced. You don't have to share things you don't feel comfortable sharing. You can even be kind of quiet in your group if you're willing to participate, or you can choose to, um, to not if you don't want to. So this is, you know, we want you to feel safe and comfortable. So, um, but uh, we find that, you know, when you start to talk to each other, you you will learn a lot. So if you're willing and open, just gather with two other people and just make space for yourself, set up your chairs and spread around and we'll give you instructions when you're, when people seem settled.
just introduce yourselves first. Make sure you all know each other's names. Okay. So the first question, um, what I'd like for you to do is um, just, I'll give you the question and then one at a time sort of, just sort of share a sentence or two about what comes up for you in relationship to this and then let the next person share a question or two, or I mean a sentence or two, and just keep going around the circle until you've gone around maybe two or three times where everybody gets that kind of chance. And then, and then if there's more time, feel free to linger or kind of change it up in terms of the, the process. But um, one thing that's really useful is that when you're listening, that you're not planning what to say. But you just really take in what's being shared. And let your own response be changed and be spontaneous when it is your turn to share. Okay? So the first question to be answered by the person with the most number of colors on. So whoever in your group has the most number of colors or shades of gray. (laughs) (laughs) I refer to this. Tony, I'm wondering if people want to have a little more space between the groups, or should we just go for it? Okay. The question is, how can you distinguish between helpful, skillful doubt and doubt that's a hindrance? How do you know doubt that's helpful from doubt that is unhelpful or a hindrance for you? Please begin. Just notice the impact of the discussion. Just taking a second to bring mindfulness. Bring mindfulness to your body experience right now. The excitement and energy or, you know, just really witnessing for a second. Maybe something that is left unsaid, you can receive it in your own mind, body right now. And then take a deep breath in and out. And here's your second question. And this time you can just start to the person to the left of whoever started this last round. Do you tend to have more doubt regarding the teachers, teacher, or doubt about your capability? And then the second part of the question is, what beliefs might underlie this or might fuel this doubt in the teacher, the teachings, or your capability? What beliefs might be fueling this doubt? 
please begin. So take another moment to check in and notice if, if your energy feels different than the last time we checked in. Just feel the effects of what you've been sharing and hearing. Breathe in with that for a moment. And maybe just notice if there's any hindrances present. <laughs> All right, take a deep breath in and a deep breath out. And then please reconnect with your partners and bow and thank each other. And And then when you're ready, we'll just sort of come back to some sort of group. <laughs> Lord, great. Okay, so maybe we'll start just with a general question here in the large group. So how was that? How was that to get into small groups? How was it to talk about doubt with your experience of doubt and your ideas about how... Uh, doubt can become a hindrance or not just what what was that like did you learn something was it um energizing was it kind of awful or was it (laughs) i don't know how was it i'd like to hear from you guys what kind of things did you learn i think he might want to if you don't did you want to share no (laughs) (laughs) just pass it it's easier than you know, and then if somebody feels moved, they can share. I think that doubt is the most universal of hindrances, that we all have doubt, and that uh, doubt really, a sense of unworthiness, a sense of doubt, and then comes fear, and it's paramount in the way that we conduct our lives and really like to uh, escape it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you, John. You can just pass it on if you don't want it. It's an ice cream cone. <laughs> um, I really enjoyed that. I thought it was very thought-provoking. What the other two said made me really think about how it was informing what I was going to say in that moment when I finally was speaking. Um, and it did change a lot of kind of the the way in which I was um, expressing my answer. Um, and I also noticed that there was a lot of commonality among how we exp- we like feel and think about doubt. Um, and ultimately therapeutic. Can you can you say something more about mm-hmm. that part, the therapeutic part? I'm just curious. Yeah, um, I think yeah, that's actually. I, I think uh, we speak on the fact that we kind of. Uh, I saw a lot of commonalities and a lot of tie-ins. It was therapeutic because it helped us express on a deeper level what we were trying to say. Mm-hmm. Um, not that it was. Not that I think my answers were swayed by the other two, but I think that it helped me go deeper more quickly um, than what maybe first popped into my head when you guys asked the question. And so therapeutic in the sense that it didn't scratch the surface, but I actually got to a deeper aha insight. Great. Thank you. Mm -hmm. 
found the second um, question interesting um, because it helped me to more clearly see some of the causes and conditions that underlie self-doubt, like childhood conditions and also current day conditions and being like, oh, okay, this is a result of conditions. Beautiful. Yeah, in some ways we can think like, well, of course we have this. If you start to look at all the conditions mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. we don't have to take it so personally, mm-hmm. like, oh, mm-hmm. yes, of course it's this anyway. way. Thank you, Amy. What came to mind was, um, seems like everybody, it's the condition of the human mind. It's fraught with doubt and desire and all those negative things. And uh, as I said, it's, it seems to be the condition of the world. Um, to, it, it, it's a condition of the egoic mind. I'll, I'll, I think that's where, where I'll leave it. And that's why we need to rise above it. Because uh, that's where all our fear and misery lies. Within our own minds. So... Yeah, and so with this practice, we're learning how to work with it. Because it's not so easy to rise above it, but maybe we can work with it. And then maybe it just kind of dissolves or becomes less uh, potent, I'd say. Um, Yeah, so let's see, why can't we rise above it? Because then there's, yeah, maybe we can. Maybe Maybe this is just semantics. You know, one thing I want to say is um, these are all hard states to feel. They're hard states to be influenced by. And there's something really important about taking our time with them. Really... um, if you really want to transform, if you want to um, not just bypass for the moment, but you want it to start to shift and change, don't rush. Take your time with it. And, And try and really feel into the underneath. Really start to notice what's underneath and fueling. Because there's usually, there's usually a, a functionality. There's usually a hook. There's usually something, a wound or a need or a pattern, a habit, you know, that, that is creating the, the breeding ground or the feeding ground for the hindrance, right? So it's really helpful to spend enough time with it to, to, to kind of get to the kind of what is it that is fueling it in that moment? And and to remember not to take it, like this is so great for you to get to be here with each other and hear how this is a common human condition. So to remember that when you are practicing and struggling, that this is not personal, right? 
This is not because of me and some weakness in me. This is something that arises for every human mind. So, I don't know, but I think for whatever reason, there's usually something, some purpose, some function, something there. And it's worth trying to take some time with it. So maybe I'll then ask a a second question. What are some of the barriers or challenges of working with doubt? What are some of the barriers and challenges of taking our time and really understanding what's fueling, what's underneath it? What are some of the way what are some of the things that get in the way? Impatience. <laughs> yeah, of course we all want it now, right? Maybe we can move the microphone. Oh, I think Richard has one here too. Oh, I think it some one micro some microphone is on. I can hear the. So when I feel doubt, I feel it comes with despair, and so then it's hard to be with it and feel capable of dealing with it when you just feel I just feel despair. It's hard to be with it because you feel despair. Yeah, and it feels overwhelming. Yes. Yeah, I, I appreciate it when you said these things are hard. Because they are hard. They are hard. Yeah, they are hard. Not easy. Not easy. Was there anything you heard tonight that um, might make it a little bit easier or a little different way to be with the doubt when it arises? Yes, I think knowing that it's universal, it really helps because in that despair, I, I think it's only me and there's something wrong with me. And that's why I'm feeling this way and knowing that everybody feels this way. It's, it's amazing to me how quickly that can be forgotten, though. Yes. <laughs> yes. yes. Yeah, for, I, I mentioned this in the first class, but for me it's really meaningful. Like, not only these people here experienced doubt but for thousands of years thousands of years that's a lot of people right thousands of years ago they were talking about this so it is kind of just part of the human condition to have this uncertainty and to sometimes get stuck and to be vacillating not sure and just and to be self-critical and these things and so it's can take work or some effort but it does to to uh, disentangle ourselves from this. But it doesn't. It can be done. Absolutely, it can be done. And just a little bit of mindfulness and investigation. And we know how to do this. So, Diana, how about you tell us? Some of the key points. <laughs> yeah, so we talked about them. So here, 
doubt, we've been talking about there's like you can have doubt and teachings, teachers, and the self, oneself. And to recognize that um, often it is in oneself, but that it's kind of like often, uh, not always, but it's underneath. It's We may have some beliefs that we haven't really examined that are um, fueling and are underneath uh, some of these doubts about ourselves. In order to be a a good meditator, we have to behave in this way. In order to be a good person, we have to be that a certain way. Or I, I don't know what it might be. So with uh, meditation, with mindfulness and with investigation, it's not so much that we're like digging through to discover all our deep, dark secrets. Instead, we're just creating the presence. We're just being with our experience with some as much like openness and ease that we can, mindful just being present. And then we're just these things will start to bubble up. Some like some insights more and it's like, oh yeah, I can see how I have this thought, this underlying belief underneath there that's always on my periphery, but when we start to make the space, it often bubbles up and we can see it clearly. So the work when I when we're saying investigation we're not saying, or, or in the Bella practice, examine. We're not saying, you know, explore every deep, dark secret and everything that happened when you were 10 years old. There's a place for that, kind of like psychotherapy. But here in meditation, we're more just bring a sense of curiosity. What, what is this? And that curiosity hopefully has enough spaciousness that some of the answers can bubble up. And we have the presence to hear them. So often, doubt um, masquerades as wisdom in the sense of, oh, this is like this. Uh, these teachings are from thousands of years ago. There's like, doesn't, it's not relevant to me, and I should go do something that's more fun or something like that. I don't know. I'm just making this up. I don't know what it is. But just to have a, bring a little bit, when we have these ideas that are, um, um, bring us a stuckness with our practice, just bring a sense of curiosity. Is this true? Is this the only thought that I'm having? Or am I having a whole collection of thoughts and I've grabbed onto this one and I'm holding this one as being true and wise? So maybe that's a other summary. And maybe to recognize that often when we're feeling stuck, that is doubt. Doubt often shows up as kind of just this, maybe stuck maybe um, implies some stagnation, but stuck can also be just going round and around and around, kind of vacillating in our minds. Or can't decide. Can't decide, thank you. That's a good one too. And so, just to recognize, once we can name it, oh, this is doubt, often that alone can start a little shift, like, oh, okay, this is part of the human experience, and that, can, that alone can provide sometimes a little bit enough space in which there can be a, little, um, something, a shift, something else can happen. So sometimes it can be helpful just to name it, oh, here's doubt. And then I'll turn it over to you.
So the, I think a lot of you picked up the handout and read it already at the beginning of the class. I thought I read it today. I was like, this is good. <laughs> it's a good handout. Um, and we want to encourage you this week to, you know, be, every time you go to sit down be, and meditate, before you start, remind yourself of the things that give you confidence in this practice. Take a minute as you're starting your meditation practice to really let that confidence support your meditation. And then notice how it affects your practice. So that's your homework for this week. And um, may you be... Maybe, may you... Remember in the meditation I was talking about, you know, when people greet you, right, or you take your order... And you know how you really feel like you were heard by some people? Keep that in mind. And notice even when you can, when you can recognize and greet any of the hindrances in that way versus when you, you kind of dismiss them or you give them lip service. And see if you can notice if there's any impact on what happens next. And may your practice be of great benefit to you and your loved ones, your community, your family, and everybody, everywhere. Thank you for taking the time to be here and sharing your practice with us. Thank you.